Our final guest is Tracy Angwin, who's a CEO and founder of the Australian Payroll Association and director of Payroll HQ. Tracy, thanks for joining us on the program. Thanks for having me, Peter. Okay, so Tracy, I'm intrigued when you say that uh, apparently lots of organisations overpay their employees. How, how does that happen? This is the same way they underpay them, um, except in reverse, I guess. The problem with payroll in Australia is it's, it's underestimated in its complexity. So the minute that you employ someone, you're under the same uh, rules and regulations and uh, obligations as, as a large company. So a lot of small businesses don't get this, and then the small businesses become big businesses and they still haven't quite um, got it right. So... You can easily overpay employees both in wages and in superannuation um, by, well, you can certainly overpay superannuation because a lot of organisations think that superannuation is 9.5% on gross earnings and it's actually 9.5% on ordinary time earnings. So oftentimes we'll find employers pay superannuation when they don't have to. But the big one is just not understanding the awards and uh, EBAs that apply to the workers and uh, misinterpreting the rules that are in those awards. So presumably that also applies, Tracy, to underpayment as well? Exactly right. So the challenge is, of course, with underpayment, employees normally will realise they've been underpaid and advise the employer. The problem with under with overpayments, and, and this is not to say that people get overpaid and say, awesome, I've been overpaid, I'm not going to let anyone know, although I'm sure that that does happen from time to time. But what happens is employees actually trust that the pay office will get it right. So if they think that they've been paid a little bit too much, they think that there's you know an, an entitlement there that they weren't expecting, they'll just think, oh, well, the payroll knows best. And therefore, what we often find, and oddly enough, what we've, we find now, because Fair Work has done such a good job of fleshing out... Um, employers that underpay, what we're finding when we go to do payroll audits is we're finding more overpayments than underpayments. <laughs> yeah, look, I've got to say, Paul and I for years have railed against employers who've dudded their employees of their superannuation, and there's plenty sure. of examples of that, but I'm intrigued that, that you say that there's so many instances of people actually overpaying their super. Sure, we, we did some work with a, uh, a charity only a couple of months ago and I think they've got about 1,200 employees and just in the eight months that we audited their payroll, they had overpaid their super over a million dollars and they were chari- they are a charity. Mm. So once, you know, clearly they would like to be paying those payments, uh, you know, in, in providing services to the people that they provide service to. So, um, I mean, you guys probably don't mind a super being overpaid, of course, but, you know, the reality is, is um, you know, lots of, lots of employers are doing it. And the big one that people get wrong uh, is paying, paying superannuation on, on any overtime payments. Yeah, okay. So, so basically you made the point already that super is paid on ordinary times earnings. Um, so is the biggest trap around overtime and the, the paymaster just basically looking at what was paid for the week and just multiplying that by 9% to work out the super? It's in, often it's in the, um, the language in the award or the EBA. So, for example, where we see a lot of employers get tripped up and, you know, payroll managers are doing the right thing. They're checking the awards and agreements. Yeah, but they're just misinterpreting. So it might well say that if someone works 
uh, in a, you know, past a certain uh, time or doesn't have a certain um, uh, gap between their shifts or whatever the, the reason is that they might be being paid more, it might say in the award, pay a penalty, um, which is the equivalent of overtime payments. And it's actually not overtime. So that's how super can get under and overpaid because it might use the word overtime in an award, but it's actually not overtime or vice versa. Tracy, moving on to, to something you've identified as pay, payroll fraud, and presumably that's by, I guess, employees or, come, I guess, staff as well. What are, what's payroll fraud and what are the, the sort of the seven most common factors you've identified in relation to payroll fraud? Well, payroll fraud can be attributed to two things. There's, uh, first of all, there's things like uh, leave theft and time theft, and that's from employees, mm-hmm. uh, and that's just poor processes. So that's quite easy to fix. So is that, um, is that intentional we... fraud or, or a bit of... Um... Look, sometimes and sometimes not. Sometimes a poor process is a poor process. Right. So I spoke. I, I met a fellow one uh, day. He, was a, he worked at a big financial services firm, about six or 7,000 employees, and he said to me, when he found out I was in the payroll industry, he said, payroll? I can't stand payroll. He said, did you know that to apply for a day's annual leave, it, has, it takes me 20 keystrokes? So he said, you know what? I don't bother. Mm. So and presumably not a lot of it doesn't get recorded. That's probably the, the big process. Exactly issue. right. Yeah. Exactly right. So if you're, provi- if you're right, have, having pieces of paper to record your leave applications, you can guarantee that they're not all hitting mm-hmm. the pay office. But the payroll fraud that we're more involved with is actually when there's fraud committed by someone who works in the payroll operator, the payroll uh, department. Um, like you say, there's there's seven main areas that we've seen over the over time, and like a lot of people have been to jail. The biggest payroll fraud in Australia is, of course, um, the Clive Peters payroll fraud, uh, where about eighteen million dollars was stolen from Clive Peters. Um, and was that the, was there a woman who was doing that? Um, yes, it was. Yeah. The, the thing that's extraordinary, Peter, is the the lady who perpetrated the award, the fraud, um, was a was paid about one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year, and no one thought it was unusual that she bought um, forty four investment properties in mm. and around Melbourne in eighteen months. Mm. She bought <laughs> four cars, at, four luxury vehicles at uh, at auction. So these are these are the sorts of things. If you're seeing people who should be expected to have fairly modest uh, lifestyles, certainly living beyond their means, that could be one thing you could look at for fraud. Other things are, um, you know, a lot of employers don't don't have their payroll audit trail turned on, and, and because they say, you know, oh, we can't, it, it slows down the payroll system. For example, mm. there are certain fields that you just can't not audit. So, um, you know, we found some payroll fraud once where. We could see that um, bank account details were being changed before and after a pay, and what the payroll manager was doing was ch- changing casual um, bank account details to her own, mm. paying a few hours to people that wouldn't really even notice it. Um, the managers wouldn't notice it, and, and so that's how she was feeling. Um, so any sort of those regular master file changes are a, are a, a red flag. The big one, um, the most easiest one to perpetrate. This is really not, this is not a payroll fraud to-do list or how-to session, but... It sounds know, like the, it, the Tracy. <laughs> sounds like it, but go on. Um, the ghost employees are the big one, so we mm-hmm. should always be checking the database for duplication of data. Uh, um, and I guess what you're saying, Tracy, is, that we, is I know a lot of companies think about 
supplier fraud and lots of auditors look at arrangements uh-huh. with suppliers. But for many companies or most companies, your payroll is your biggest cost. So I guess there's <laughs> That's a, exactly right. And I guess getting collusion between payroll staff and others is not uh, it's not that hard. So, yeah, it certainly is. Exactly a, right. And you don't even need to collude that, that much. I mean, um, we worked with a large employer that just had such poor processes um, and we just said that the very least they can do is just run a duplication of data tests over their database and sure enough, they found some ghost employees. And look, whilst we've, we, I, we did find ones that there were twins shared a bank account that lived, lived at home with their parents and we thought, oh, we're on to some payroll fraud here. It wasn't the case. But mostly if there is duplication of data, so um, tax file numbers, bank details, uh, there's normally cause for uh, an investigation. Um, a lot of times, a lot of times the fraudulent activity happens after hours. So we would always, as part of an audit procedure, check to see who's logging in outside of working hours. Um, because we've seen that that's, that's a, a bit of a red flag as well. And, and just generally in security, if, if someone's left the organisation, the amount of logins that we see that are not deleted, so old logins are used to perpetrate payroll fraud often. So that's another one to, to look yeah. at. And, and I guess, Tracy, when you've got a, an organisation, say, with just one accountant who's doing payroll and all other payments, that's when you could actually get someone who could actually put you. You, you, you might only be a small in, in, uh, rise in costs or in payroll, uh, but it might take you a year before you say, "Hang on, our payroll's just gone up by twenty thousand over the year." And you you don't pick it up until end of the year. That's right. With a lot of payroll compliance errors and fraud, what we see is that even small amounts incrementally over time and often over a larger employee population, although it doesn't really need to be that large, can can have a material impact. And, you know, certainly small businesses, you know, you pull out that sort of money, um, that can that can really affect a small business. Mm. Now, Tracy, you're the CEO and founder of the Australian Payroll Association. That sounds like a fun organisation. You know, you got <laughs> <laughs> But you're also direct... You're also director of Payroll HQ. What does Payroll HQ do? Payroll HQ is is a unique uh, managed payroll service firm. So whilst there's traditional outsourcing, which is just outsource the labour, it's always been, you know, payroll outsourcing has always just been a labour arbitrage conversation. Um, Whereas, you know, the, the, the way that they make money is that they have to just provide the services cheaper than you can. So they either have to, mm. um, maybe, maybe they might offshore it or they have to buy uh, in labour, they use labour locally that's, you know, less qualified than, you know, you might do it yourself. So what Parallel HQ does is they provide a fully managed service for employers sort of up to about a 1,000 employees. They probably wouldn't go too much off. They might, they might argue, of course. Um, I'm speaking as a non-executive director, so I might be told off for that. Mm. Um, but what they do is they provide a fully managed service where there's absolutely no requirement for any payroll expertise in-house. So it's really great for growing businesses, um, businesses who have had problems with payroll. They've got some quite large employers uh, across the country that they, you know, distribute an environment where it's a complicated payroll. It's often useful to have a managed payroll service purely because really good payroll expertise is expensive. Yeah, Tracy, thanks for joining us on the program. Anytime. That's Tracy Angwin, the CEO and founder of the Australian Payroll Association and director of Payroll HQ. Well, Paul, that's the end of the show. Who would have thought that um, people were overpaying super? You look quite a mix there, Peter, from property to uh, 
medical devices to payroll, but I guess we all learned. I learned a lot about payroll, to be honest. <laughs> and you weren't quite sure whether it would be all that interesting, but I think it was. I think a lot of small business people need to be told this could be a really big risk for their company. Mm, absolutely. That's the show. Thanks for joining us. I'm Peter Switzer. That was Paul Rickard. Talk to you next week. Thank you.